right, good morning. Thank you guys for being here, even on a day when the weather's a little bit nice. You know, I know, I know, when, when the weather gets nice, some people think, okay, I need to take off a of church today and go do something outside, but thank you for being here. Hey, as Don mentioned, we get really excited about Missions Week, and I am as, yes, 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 okay. so I, it, let's just go for it, okay? We get really excited about Missions Week. Okay, there we go, yeah. <laughs> Um, hey, but one of the things I'm most excited about, uh, Douglas and Nancy Pais, who will be a part of our, uh, our week this year, um, are homegrown right out of this church, out of the Spanish ministry with Pastor Carlos, and they have been serving faithfully there, raised their kids in that congregation, and now uh, are going out uh, to take the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. And so I, I'm excited to partner with them. Um, we'll be sending out Arthur and Jess as church planters during Missions Week this year. We're excited about that. So, you know, I, I just love what God is doing in our church. There's a, there is, this is not it, but the, I'll talk about this in a minute. Uh, but there are Missions Week guides in the back. You'll see the banner back there. Uh, but pick up the Missions Week guide. It, it gives you the schedule of the week. Don told you we've got a lot going on almost every night of the week. So we start on a Sunday morning and then Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, um, and then Sunday, the 14th, we, we kick it, we, we wrap it all up and have an incredible time. So pick up a schedule on your way out. It also has our missionary families in there with some ways that we can bless them and uh, you can participate with us in that way. But it'll be an incredible week. Um, something else that we are celebrating today is the, the birthday or the anniversary of Orlando Baptist Church. Um, yeah, and praise the Lord for that. So the official day is October 20th. So, so this coming week, uh, the middle of the week is the official day. So October 20th, 1957, uh, 13 individuals came together to make up this church body. It started with 13 original members um, right here in Central Florida. And uh, they started, it was at the time Temple Baptist Church and what is today Orlando Baptist Church. That was 64 years ago. And we celebrate God's faithfulness um, to us, to his church in this community over all these years. I've got, this is a, this is a little brochure. So in 1972, that's when the large auditorium opened up. Uh, and this was the inaugural um, kind of brochure. And it gives some, some history about the church. By the way, uh, when I was watching the Missions Week video and I saw the worship in the large auditorium, I thought, oh man, I, I can't wait to get back in there. And we are getting there. We are getting there. Uh, there's some work happening this week. Continue to be praying for the chairs that are on a boat on the way. They are, but they are on the way. Um, but hey, we're really, really, really praying that Sunday, November 7th, we'll be able to be in there. That is an optimistic prayer, uh, but we have uh, a God who can do anything. So be praying for that day specifically. Um, and uh, so we'll be back in there soon. Um, but in 1957, Jewel Smith was the founding pastor. About 13 people made up the original church family. And uh, they were meeting in a rented space in Winter Park, uh, what, right at the corner of OBT and Colonial Drive, um, th there's the Pontiac dealership there. They were renting a space right over there. Um, and, uh, and then they found this piece of property on 
Cimarron Boulevard, which at the time was called Lake Barton Road. And believe it or not, it was a dirt road back in those days, which is crazy, right? So they found this little piece of property. Uh, there was an elderly woman who lived here in a four-room farmhouse, and there was nothing else on this piece of property. Uh, you know, all these neighborhoods were not built yet that are around it. And uh, they needed to raise, guess how much they bought this piece of property for? It, in 1957, it was $20,000. $20,000. Can you imagine that? So uh, the thing is, the church only had $35 in the bank. <laughs> so even though $20,000 is a great deal for this property right here on Cimarron Boulevard, uh, Lake Barton Road at the time, um, when you only got 35 bucks, that is, that's a big jump. And so um, Jules Smith called all of the pastors that he knew, and he was able to raise $2,000 in churches that just gave donations in order to help this church buy a piece of property. Then there were six men in the church, and between those six guys, they scratched up $1,000, and they put down a $3,000 down payment on, these, on this piece of property and started paying uh, paying a note on this piece of property at 3% interest until they paid it off. And uh, they only had a little farmhouse, so they had to rent a big tent. And they put a tent up here on the piece of property. And, um, and there's a few folks in our church who are around in those earliest days and who remember worshiping under that tent. Wasn't long after that that they built the first building, and then a storm came through and broke the tent all to pieces, and so it was a good thing they had that building. Didn't have windows or doors yet, but it had a roof, and so they just started meeting. Um, and here we are, 64 years later. And here's what, here, here's the reason we celebrate that is not just to be nostalgic. It, it's not to glorify or make much of the past because, right, you know, uh, we live in a culture that a lot of times likes to look back on the good old days and say, well, I remember when I was a kid. And, you know, we, we say that kind of stuff. Um, and, and there's really nothing glorious about the past. There were hurts and pains and problems in society and culture and politics just like there is today. Uh, but the reason we celebrate 64 years is, is because of God's faithfulness. Because we celebrate the fact that, that God just used a little handful of people, 13 of them, to, to start something, to start a church, a local expression of the body of Christ right here in this neighborhood. And now 64 four years later, here we sit um, and we celebrate all that God has done over the years. We celebrate his faithfulness to this church and there's been good seasons and, and bad seasons. There's been seasons where, uh, where it seemed like this church was gonna close down and um, that building almost got sold off to a Bally Fitness Center. Could have been a Bally Fitness Center, but uh, God raised up his people to, to make sure that didn't happen. And we are the recipients of, of the faithfulness of God's people and the faithfulness of God to his people. And it's important to remember um, that this church had a beginning and has a story. Because I think a lot of times for most of us, we weren't here at the beginning. And so we, we came to be a part of an established church and, and we just think it, it is what it is, right? I mean, we don't really ask the question, how did it get here? How, how did this happen? Um, but God moved in a man's heart 
who moved his family from Michigan to Orlando, Florida, and who uh, cast a vision for what a church could look like in this community and, and started a church, and God was faithful, and the church grew. It wasn't very long after the tent blew over and they got a little building that, that the church started to grow significantly. Um, in fact, the church was only 15 years old when that big building was built. After just 15 years, there was over 1,000 people in attendance every Sunday, and they built that building. I say all that to say planting churches and seeing new churches started is vitally important. And so uh, in January, we're going to launch a new church, Restoration Church of Sanford, Florida. And, and I'm excited to hear what God will do in the next 64 years um, in Sanford, Florida. And also, when we celebrate our 128th anniversary, 64 years, that's crazy. <laughs> I won't be here, but, um, but you know what's amazing? Most of us won't be here. There might be a few of you that'll, you know, that are young and strong, and you'll, you'll be here around for that. But God's church will continue to move on. It's not dependent on us. It's not dependent on, on our ability to keep it going. God will, Jesus Christ said, he will build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so we celebrate this morning. So on your way out, we got some goodies to celebrate. We're going to have a little photo booth. And I want you to remember, and this week, just reflect on God's faithfulness and what God is going to do in the future. And that's really what we want to talk about for the next few weeks, leading right into Missions Week. We want to talk about uh, the vision that God has given us as a church in this community for the days ahead. So with kind of our, our birthday as the backdrop, our anniversary as a church as the backdrop, we want to talk about what God will continue to do in the days ahead. Now, I do believe that I'll live to be here for the 100th anniversary, and I'm excited about that. I'll be like 80 years old or something when that comes, but I think I, my grandpa's 93. I think I can make it to 80, so God willing. Um, so I'm excited to celebrate that and see all that God does but I'm excited about the days ahead, what God will do in the life of our church. And so I just want to talk a little bit today about vision. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about kind of the vision that, that God has given us. We're going to hear from Arthur, uh, who's going to uh, talk to us and talk about the vision that God has given him for church planting and how we can come together as Orlando Baptist Church and Restoration Church to see God accomplish more for his kingdom and his glory. And guys, we want to plant a bunch more churches because that's how God works, is through his church and local communities. So this morning, I, I, I want us to see that the Christian faith is a proclaiming faith. I want us to see this morning that the Christian faith is a proclaiming faith. In other words, uh, we got to open up our mouth and speak about what God has done and about what he is doing. In other words, if we are not proclaiming the gospel, then we are not truly practicing and living out our faith. Proclaiming the gospel is integral to practicing and living out our faith. Now, I am a third-generation Baptist preacher. My dad was a pastor, and my, both of my grandfathers were pastors on my mom and dad's side. I, I didn't have a chance. Um, and I praise God uh, for his calling in my life. Um, I mean, 
first I wanted to be in the NBA. It became pretty clear pretty quick that that wasn't happening. So then I wanted to be Indiana Jones. Uh, I wanted to be an archaeologist and, you know, do all kinds of cool exploration. And, and eventually I, uh, I realized that wasn't going to happen either. And then one day, uh, God called me to this. And I don't know exactly when or how it happened. I just know that one day I, I knew that this is what I was going to do. And there was nothing else that I could do. And sometimes people ask me, what would you do if you didn't do this, if you weren't a pastor? And I just say, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty good at mowing yards, so maybe I would do that. Uh, I like it too. Um, but, but, but I am so blessed and privileged to be able to do this. But um, so my grandpa, Janny, my dad's dad, told a story uh, about, um, about sharing his faith. And I, I actually heard this in a message, a recording of an old message of his that I was listening to one day. And he tells the story of, and, and the importance of the Christian faith being a proclaiming faith. And he said he sat next to a guy on an airplane one day and they started up a conversation. And what do you do? What do you do? And, uh, you know, when, when, when grandpa got asked, he said, well, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm a, I'm a Baptist pastor in Miami, Florida. And the guy said, oh, really? And, that, you know, so then the conversation, by the way, just to let you in on a little secret of pastors, um, whenever people say, what do you do? And you tell them you're a pastor, it gets real awkward. People are not quite sure how to handle that, especially if I'm sitting in a barber chair and, you know, there's all kinds of conversations happening around me. And they say, what do you do? I say, I'm a pastor. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but anyway, so sitting on a plane, what do you do? What do you do? I'm a pastor. And the, the conversation kind of steered itself towards spiritual things. And my grandpa was sharing a little bit about the Christian faith. And the guy sitting next to him and said, well, that's great and all, but, you know, I think everybody ought to be able to practice their own religion however they see fit. And my grandpa said, well, I totally agree. So why don't you sit there while I practice my religion on you? And he began to share his faith. <laughs> because the Christian faith is a proclaiming faith. The all, the, really, the, the main way that we practice our faith is by telling people, about Jesus. We don't just, look, reading our Bible is important and good. It trains us on how we can tell people about Jesus. Prayer is important and good. It empowers us and moves our heart to tell people about Jesus. The Christian faith is a proclaiming, telling faith. And if we're going to practice that faith, then the best way to practice it is by telling people about Jesus. C.S. Lewis, the famous author and Christian thinker said this, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ. If they're not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. And you might go, what? Even the Bible itself. But guys, if we have the Bible, but we're not proclaiming it to other people, it's not accomplishing what God meant for it to accomplish. It's not just for us to get fat and happy. So C.S. Lewis said the church exists for nothing else. If we do all these other things that we call church and are not sharing the gospel, they are a waste of time. The Baptist pastor from London, Charles Spurgeon, said this, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. In other words, Christians are missionaries. That is what we are called to be. 
And if we are not proclaiming our faith, then we're not really living our faith. We are either missionaries or imposters. Hudson Taylor was um, a missionary, one of, the father of, of, of modern missions, some would say. And he says this, the great commission, that is Jesus' call to go and tell, is not an option to be considered, but a command to be obeyed. So this is what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to lay out that this is the vision that God has given us. This is the mission, mission that God has given us as a church. Sharing the gospel for followers of Jesus is not optional. So we're going to look at Scripture, what Scripture has to say about this, not just my opinion or the quotes from some other people. Uh, but before we do that, let's pray, okay? God, we love you. And we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that you demonstrated that love to us by sending your only son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life, to die a sinless death, and to raise from the grave and give us victory over sin and death in our own lives. So we put our faith in him, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, as was read earlier out of John 20 by the Pais, by Christy Pais. Um, Jesus told us, as the Father sent him, he is sending us. And so, Lord, let us be a going and telling people. God, give us a vision and a passion for your gospel and for proclaiming it today. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, good. Here we go. So look, Couple terms uh, that I want to just define so that we're all on the same page, okay? Um, couple terms I want to define so we're all on the same page. The first one is this evangelism. Maybe you've heard the term evangelism and, and maybe you don't know exactly what it means or you think you might know, but you're not sure. Or maybe there's somebody who hasn't heard this term before. So I just want to define it so we're all on the same page. Evangelism is this sharing the gospel. The gospel is the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. Sharing the gospel, which is the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. That's what evangelism is. It's telling, it's sharing the good news about Jesus. And another term that we'll talk about today that I want to define, again, just so we're on the same page, is discipleship. Discipleship is following the example of Jesus and obeying his teachings. Discipleship is following the example of Jesus and obeying his teachings. Jesus said to his disciples, follow me. And then you know what he said next? And I will make you fishers of men. Following Jesus is discipleship. And when we're following him, then we will be about proclaiming the gospel so that other men and women can come to know him in faith. And then one more thing I want to define for you this morning, and that's this, the great commission. This quote by Hudson Taylor said, the great commission is not an option to be considered, but a command to be obeyed. So uh, I read a statistic this week that 51% of Christians have never heard of the great commission. And so, um, so let's define it. The great commission is this. It comes out of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And let me read it to you. It says this, Jesus came near to them, that is his disciples, and said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. We call this the Great Commission. To commission someone means that you assign them responsibility or give them a job. A commissioner, right, a city commissioner or a county commissioner, they have a job and it's been entrusted to them by the constituents who voted for them. We have commissioned them to do the business of the city or the county. And the Great Commission was given by Jesus Christ to his people, and he commissioned us to do a job for him on his behalf. And that job is to proclaim the gospel, that is the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. It is the Great Commission. Jesus said, All authority has been given to me, and now I give you that authority to go into all the world, to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am always with you to the end of the age. This is the great commission, but every single gospel has a commission given by Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all have a commission given by Jesus, a commissioning of his people to go and proclaim the gospel. So Matthew 28, we just read, that is the Great Commission. It tells us to make disciples of all nations. Mark 16, verse 15, gives us a succinct version of the commission. Mark's gospel is is the shortest of all the gospels, and Mark just kind of gets down to business when he writes. He's like, you know, no details, just boom, 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 boom. Here's the facts. So here's Mark's version. He says, Mark 16, 15, then Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Mark 16, verse 15. This is a commission to the followers of Jesus Christ. John chapter 20, verse 21. Another commissioning of Jesus to his followers. That is the disciples, but that's also you and me. And here's how Jesus says it in John 20, 21. Jesus said to them, peace be with you as the Father sent me, so also I also send you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. Jesus is the gospel, right? He he is the good news. He is the way, the truth, and the life. God sent him to be the payment for our sins, to be our savior, He he sent him with the gospel because Jesus is the gospel. And Jesus said, as the Father sent me, the gospel personified, I am sending you to take the gospel just like the Father sent me. Again, it's this commissioning. Now, Matthew 28 makes it really clear that the commission is not just evangelism, but it's also discipleship. It says, go and make disciples disciples of all nations. It says, teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. And, and sometimes in church, we get this kind of uh, false narrative or this false dichotomy, this false tension that there are evangelistic churches and there are discipleship churches, right? That, that there, there, there's discipleship and there's evangelism. That's why I wanted to define those two terms. Uh, But in in the church, sometimes in in the greater body of Christ, there's this tension between churches who want to evangelize and and churches who want to disciple. And there is no tension in, in these commissionings. 
I heard a preacher say once that discipleship and evangelism are like the two wings on a plane. If you're flying at 30,000 feet, which wing do you want? Right? Yeah. Like one of them doesn't help. You got to have them both. But here's what I want us to see about discipleship. It's incredibly important but discipleship that doesn't lead to evangelism is, is not discipleship. Discipleship that doesn't lead to evangelism is not true discipleship. In Matthew 28, Jesus says, Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And what did Jesus command? Go and make disciples. Go and proclaim the gospel. As the Father sent me, I send you to proclaim the gospel. These two things go together. They go hand in hand. We have to be about discipleship. We have to be about evangelism. And we can't, we shouldn't really be heavy one way or the other. They're they're just both a natural part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But I want to show you something a little bit further in Luke chapter 24. This is the commission that Jesus gives the disciples in the gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 24, uh, verses 44 through 49, and I'm going to turn there for this. Luke 24, 44 through 49. This is Jesus speaking. He told them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So Jesus says, look, I told you guys this already, but everything written about me in the law of Moses, that is the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the law of Moses, and everything written about in the prophets, that's a lot of the rest of the Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, all all these other prophetic books, and the Psalms. The Psalms include the book of Psalms and the book of Proverbs and the book of Song of Songs or Songs of Solomon. So basically, Jesus says, all that Old Testament was pointing to me. I I told you all that already, but I just want to remind you. So he says, uh, verse 44, these are my words. I spoke to you while I was with you. Everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he also said to them, this is what is written. Remember, law of Moses, Proverbs, Psalms prophets. He says, this is what was written about me. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead the third day and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you and I'm sending you what the father has promised as for you stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. Discipleship is certainly about God's word. We want to grow in our knowledge and understanding of God's word. But here's what I love that Jesus says. If you grow to understand my word, the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, you'll see that they point to me. And you will see that they proclaim that I am coming to live and to die and to raise again. And that repentance for the nations will be proclaimed. And so I'm sending you to go do that. So again, Jesus, even in in his commissioning of the disciples here 
in Luke chapter 24 gives us this picture of discipleship through his word that ultimately leads to the proclamation of the gospel. Now, sometimes we get this false idea that discipleship is, is about knowing stuff, and it's about, you know, knowing things that other people don't know, right? We want that, we want that deep stuff. We want that rich food. We want, you know, that... People have left our church before because it wasn't deep enough and it was too evangelistic and they just wanted that deep stuff. I, it's, it's a little hurtful when people uh, come tell you that as the pastor. Uh, also a little liberating. Um, anyway. <clears throat> but sometimes we get this false idea that discipleship is just, it's about what we know and if, you know, we get to this point where we finally know enough, then I guess we would go tell people about the things that we know. But there's one more commissioning, and it takes place in the book of Acts. The book of Acts was also written by Luke. And this is, uh, Acts 1.8 is the commissioning, but um, there's, a, there's a little question that goes along with it in Acts 1, verse 6. The disciples are speaking to Jesus, it says, so when they had come together in verse six, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? Sometimes that's what we think discipleship is like, that we know all the secrets and, and we are able to, you know, interpret all, all the stuff. And it's important and we can, and we certainly grow in those areas. But listen what Jesus said. Look, it's not for you to know the times or the periods that the father has sent by, set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Again, this commissioning. You're gonna receive power from the Spirit and you're gonna go. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Discipleship and evangelism, they are both vitally important. If you're flying in a plane at 30,000 feet, you gotta have them both but you gotta know what they are. It, evangelism without discipleship is really not good evangelism. It, it's, it's throwing seed and, and maybe somebody hears it and, and maybe they even respond, but discipleship helps them understand what they've responded to and then live out that faith. They're both important. They're both vital but discipleship must lead to evangelism and evangelism must be consummated with discipleship and evangelism that's consummated with discipleship should lead to evangelism, which leads to discipleship, which leads to evangelism, which leads to discipleship, right? Okay, you get the point. So as a church, we want to have an evangelistic vision. It's what we wanna be about. Um. Al Mohler, Albert Moeller is the president of seminary and he had just a great quote that I thought was useful. He said, at the end of the day, the greatest obstacle to evangelism is Christians who don't share the gospel. Right? I mean, we can come up with all kinds of excuses and the culture is so hard and people are just, they don't want to hear it. And that's not your problem. You just open up your mouth and speak. 
The greatest obstacle to evangelism is Christians who don't share the gospel. I don't know how to do it. Well, if you've put your faith in Jesus, then just tell people what you did. You don't have to know all the answers. And, and discipleship can help you do it more effectively, maybe. But through the power of the Spirit, God will use your story to proclaim his gospel really well, really well. Another uh, Christian writer, a guy named Ed Stetzer, said this, Christians love evangelism just as long as somebody else is doing it. <laughs> but as a church, we want to have a vision for evangelism that is real and that is meaningful. And so... Um, I just want to share with you our mission statement as a church and then our, our vision as a church moving forward into the next 10, 20 years. So here's our, our mission statement. It says this, we exist to be a people empowered by the Holy Spirit to make a difference in our community and around the world through the gospel for God's glory. That's a mouthful. It's not, it doesn't roll off the tongue. I get it. But we, we wanted to be comprehensive comes from Acts 1.8 that says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And believers, we must be empowered by the Spirit. If we're going to share the gospel in our own power, it is useless. But if we share the gospel as little as we know in the power of the Spirit, God will use it. So open up your mouth and speak. We exist to be a people empowered by the Holy Spirit to make a difference in our community that Jerusalem, our community, Judea, that is kind of the next, our state, Samaria, our nation, and then to the ends of the earth, our community and around the world. How do we make a difference? We could do a lot of things. There's good social things we could do. I mean, there's, there's important causes, but at the end of the day, if we are not making a difference through the gospel, then it's not an eternal difference. It just, it just kicks the can down the road a little bit. But if, if we are sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, that has the power to save. So make a difference through the gospel and for God's glory. Everything that we do, whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, it should be for God's glory. This is our mission statement as a church. And then how are we going to accomplish that well, we think the best way to do that is by planting churches. So our vision for the next 15, 20 years is multiplying churches in hard places. That is, there are some places where everybody wants to go plant a church. And then there are some places that need churches, but people don't really want to go there. And, uh, and we think it's important that churches get planted there too. And uh, God has blessed us for 64 years to be established enough to be able to send people to places uh, where other people don't necessarily want to go. And look, that, uh, I want to be really careful because that can sound like, well, we're doing things that other people aren't doing. No, 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 it's not. And I just, even acknowledging that even may, maybe made it worse. I don't know. But here's what I want you to know. God has uniquely gifted us and called us. And, and this is a gifting and calling that God has placed on us. And that and it might be different than another church. It doesn't make it more important. It just makes it what God has called us to do. And so as Arthur goes to plant this church in Sanford, one of the things that helped us to know it was the right place 
is some, and right in downtown Sanford, was that some other pastors in Sanford said, oh, you shouldn't go plant there, it's too hard. We thought, perfect, that's the place then. <laughs> and it's not too hard for God, y'all know that, right? So, our mission statement, we exist to be a people empowered by the Spirit to make a difference in our community and around the world through the gospel for God's glory. And our vision for accomplishing that is by planting churches, multiplying churches. And so we want to see churches planted every couple of years. And, and once, once Arthur and Restoration Church gets up and going, then we want to be a part of planting churches with them. I would love to see us plant a church in Inglewood Elementary School. That's right across the street from us. Um, but I, I want y'all to be praying for Inglewood Elementary School. We can plant a church right over there. And then I'd like to plant a church uh, in Azalea Park Elementary School, which is right up the street, and then in Dover Shores Elementary School, which is right back there. And they're all like right around us. But you know, there's a lot of people in this community that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And then in Sanford, I'd love to just see God start to move and do things. We're already having conversations about the next church plant, where that'll be and what that'll look like. But that's what we want to be about. And praise God that through Tony and Kelly Calico and their obedience to go to Romania, we've seen churches planted in the gypsy people all throughout Romania. And Teresa Weaver's sitting right here. And she's been in Albania for 20, 26 years. Being a part of seeing churches planted and lives transformed. This church has planted churches over the years. We planted Hope Church in Winter Garden, Florida five years ago, six years ago now, six years ago. And they just celebrated their sixth anniversary and God is blessing incredibly. People are getting saved, lives are being transformed. But before that, uh, this, this church was part of planting churches in, uh, in Altamont Springs, Florida, over in Titusville and South Georgia, because that's what churches do. They help plant more churches to take the gospel because our faith is a going and telling faith. We can't be satisfied. You know what happens when you turn 65? You retire. When churches turn 65, they are not allowed to retire. And as a church, we may be approaching retirement age, but we got to get busy in the next years. And, and I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but churches are kind of like people. When you get to be 65 years old, you just kind of get comfortable. And, you know, we, we got enough people over here. We're happy. We like each other. We, we know each other. But we have to be about going and telling and reaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. So next week, we're going to talk about um, kind of some values uh, or, or really kind of the strategy of what this looks like. But here's, here's what I want you to know. It starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. Anything of any eternal consequence starts with prayer. And so uh, today we are kicking off a 21-day prayer focus. <clears throat> Actually, it's tomorrow. Uh, so we've got these guides, 21 Days of Prayer guides. You can pick one up on your way out. They'll be in the back. Uh, for some of you who don't like paper and you like digital, 
Don mentioned our church app earlier, and this is all in our church app, so you can follow along. I like paper. Um, and I like to make little notes. There's places for you to make notes in here and write down your prayers. But please, church, I want to invite you to join with us over the next 20 days as we focus our prayers together, right? We, we, we focus our prayers together. In Acts chapter 2, the first church that started, the first Baptist church of Jerusalem. Y'all didn't know it was the first Baptist church, but it was. <laughs> Just kidding. That first church in Jerusalem, it started out of a prayer meeting. And I love that Restoration Church in Sanford, that, that church started out of a prayer meeting. Arthur and, and just a handful of people were gathered at the Colonial Room restaurant in Sanford praying in the back. And then God just began to move through prayer. And now here we are. We're about to plant a church together. Man, I'm excited about all that God is doing. But let's be praying, church. Let's be praying that God would let us be ascending a proclaiming, a going church. And we're going to celebrate all of that during Missions Week, November 7th, November 10th through the 14th. Um, also be praying for the chairs to get here. <laughs> but I want to conclude our service this morning just through prayer. But before we do that, before we pray, I, I want to say this. I, I've talked about the gospel today talked about evangelism. I've talked about the fact that Jesus sent his people to tell the good news of salvation. And so there may be somebody here this morning who has never responded to the gospel, the good news of salvation. And so let me just tell you, here's what it is. We are all sinners, right? There's all, in all of our lives, there are things that we know are not right. The reason we know they're not right is because when other people do them, we say they should not do that. <laughs> But then we find ourselves doing the same thing. And we get mad at those people over there for doing it. But somehow, well, I, I mean, I didn't mean it that way. Oh, come on. Right? We know we're sinners. And that sin separates us from God. Because God is holy. And he is righteous. And he is good. And because he is good, he must punish sin. Because by punishing sin, he makes every wrong right. And all of us have had wrong stuff happen to us. And we want God to deal with those things, don't we? Right, of course we do. We would be upset if he didn't. And because God will make every wrong right, he must judge sin. The problem is I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. And that means we stand in judgment as well. But God made a way through Jesus Christ. Son of God who came in human flesh and he lived a perfect life. He never sinned. I've sinned. I probably sinned while I was up here. I probably said something or thought something that I shouldn't have. But Jesus never did. He lived a perfect life. And then he died a sinless death, a perfect death on the cross. And through his death, he took the penalty of my sin and your sin that we rightly deserved. Our sin deserved punishment and Jesus took it for us. Romans 6.23 says the payment or the wages or the penalty of death is this. It's, it's, it's death. The payment of sin is death. But the gift of God 
is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so this morning, here's the gospel. You're a sinner, I'm a sinner. The good news is you're also loved by God. So loved that he gave his only son to give his life to pay the penalty for your sins. But he also rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, he gave us victory over sin and death. And so when we respond in faith to Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection, then God saves us. He makes us a new creation. But we must respond in faith. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 says, It is by grace, that is undeserved, unearned favor and blessing. It is by grace that we are saved, saved from our sin, saved from death, saved from the consequences of sin. It is by grace that we are saved through our faith. That is saying, I believe it. I put my faith in it. I stand on it. That was higher than I thought. (laughs) It's by grace that we are saved through faith. It is not of ourselves. You can't do it on your own. You can't earn your way. It is a gift of God. A gift of God, not of works, so that none of us can boast. That's salvation. And if you have never come to a place of salvation today, I believe that that if you need to be saved, the Holy Spirit right now is telling you that. And if you sense in your heart a drawing to the gospel, then I want you to respond today. Because I love you. And I want you to be saved. Because there is no life like the life that is in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I came to give you life, life to the full, life abundantly. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Not me. Came to give you life. So Lord, we thank you this morning for your great salvation. God, make us a people that declare that salvation to our neighbors and our co-workers and our family and our friends and to the very end of the earth. God, give us boldness to open up our mouth and speak. God, give us a hunger for your word so that we can more effectively proclaim your goodness. God, let us be a church that goes and tells and sends for your glory. If you'll just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed with me, if there's anybody this morning who would say, Dustin, as you talked about the gospel, responding to the gospel, I I sense that God is calling me to respond this morning. I need to be saved. I need to put my faith in Jesus Christ. If that's you, I, I would just ask you to put your hand up just so I can pray for you this morning. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. So if you raised your hand, um, I want to talk to you and pray with you. And I'm not going to, we're not going to do it right now, but I'm going to be right up here in the front when the service is over. And I would love for you to come talk with me. I want to walk with you how you can know Jesus as your Savior and how you can take your next steps in following Him. For the rest of us, church, I I want you to, to be praying that God would use us to be a church that goes and proclaims. And we're just going to take 90 seconds right now and I just want y'all to pray right where you're at and and I, I really want y'all to pray so if you want to pray out loud you can do that too you don't have to but I, I, I want y'all to be praying that God would use us to be a church that goes and proclaims and sins 
And then in just a minute, when we're done praying, Corey's going to come up and, and tell us a couple of things we need to know before we wrap up today. But let's, let's just spend the next 60 seconds in prayer.